listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm recording this intro after a brief but admittedly scary stint of time stuck indoors yet again, being warned to stay home due to the quality of air pollution from the recent Canadian wildfire. Meanwhile, I'm super excited to introduce my next guest who highlights how we can become stewards of the land as herbalists and showcases how she grew her brand from scratch to a full-blown success story. Lauren Haynes is the founder and CEO of Wooden Spoon Herbs, a small batch herbal apothecary brand that offers herbal tinctures, teas, and tonics that act as a conduit for plant medicine. Founded in 2014, Lauren has grown Wooden Spoon Herbs into a go-to resource for farm-fresh herbal remedy. Lauren studied at the Appalachian Center for Natural Health under fifth-generation herbalist Phyllis Delight. Driven by her desire to introduce more people to herbalism, Lauren started Wooden Spoon Herbs at the farmer's market, crafting products based on the most common concerns she saw. The brand, which also has celeb fans like Jessica Alba and Alanis Morissette, supports a farm-direct supply chain and sources only organic ingredients. Their popular rose-colored glasses tincture has sold out five times and is also sold on Goop. Lauren now has over 10 years of experience as a clinical herbalist. Through her herbalist education and practice, Lauren merges functional formulations with lifestyle products that appeal to wellness enthusiasts and newcomers alike. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today the owner of Wooden Spoon Herbs. Her name is Lauren Haynes. She's a clinical herbalist and entrepreneur, and I'm so excited to hear her story today. So welcome, Lauren, to the show. Hi, Marina. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. So I would love to start with the same question I ask everybody on my show, which is really about your background, where you grew up, and how you came to be an herbalist in this case. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where I live right now currently. Um, and it's a very beautiful place. It's a valley surrounded by foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And um yeah, that definitely in, informed kind of my path to herbalism, just falling in love with the natural world and really having that cultivated and kind of just like um, being born with a love for that from an early age. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm from. And my background, I um, have been studying herbalism for 11 years and uh, went through a formal herbalism clinical training that was like a 500 hour program and 
lots of other teachers and programs on top of that and classes continually. But my background is just as a constantly learning herbalist. And I started my company in 2014. So I've been doing that for right at eight years now. Wow, amazing. So tell me, you know, maybe something about your early years or high school or college, you know, did you study anything in be before herbalism? Or did you just make the decision that, you know, this is it and just go for it? Yeah, I mean, I did, I studied many things. And they've all kind of been adjacent to the work that I do now. Um, as a kid, I was just like obsessed with animals and being a veterinarian and like healing things and nurturing things. And um, then kind of layered on some like more like DIY ethos, like feminism and like DIY music stuff in my teenage years, which um, I think was great exposure just to like people who shared like-minded political beliefs um, and all of those things kind of snowballed and led me into the light bulb moment that was like herbalism. Once I realized that was kind of a paradigm of, of healthcare um, coming from a background of like, how do we provide for the most people with the least resources kind of situation, you know, kind of like mentality. I think that herbalism makes a lot of sense for me. It makes a lot of sense out of my passion and reverence for the natural world. Um, so yeah, I was like, that's kind of me as a kid, me as a teenager. And then I started studying herbalism when I was in my early 20s. I went to um, college and have an undergrad degree in in writing and journalism. That was always a passion of mine growing up as well. And I felt like I started college early. I started college um, in my last year of high school or what would have been. So I was just kind of ready to get out. And I was like, I know I'm a good writer. I know I can get this degree. I know it will serve me for whatever it is to come beyond that. And it really has, especially starting a company. So that's what I was studying um, and doing before starting my company. Love it. Thanks for sharing that background. So when did you kind of have this light bulb moment that, wow, maybe I should really study clinical herbalism? And then where did that decision come from to enroll in the formal education that you mentioned, um, you know, with Phyllis Light? And if you could tell us a little bit about her tradition in herbalism. Sure. So I think one thing that always from day one enchanted me about herbalism is that you don't need formal training to practice it. Um, and there are varying degrees of how people want to, like to, can practice herbalism, but ultimately it's a very personal practice and there is no real accrediting, accredit, accredit, accreditation, like what are these words? Um, there's not real any accreditation for being an herbalist outside of the American Herbalist Guild and being a registered herbalist. Um, like all of the schools are very independent. They're all hours-based, teacher-based, mentor-based. And so... I knew that I wanted to work with someone who had experience in the region I lived in because bioregional herbalism is a particular passion of mine, meaning, um, yes, we have like Western herbalism, um, and that has its own set of plants, but then like, what are the analogs that live specifically in the mountains where I live? What are the analogs that live specifically, you know, wherever someone lives? Like if you live in the Rockies, like 
that's what's fascinating to me is plant families and that they all have analogs that are so similar. Um, it just really makes it a very special tailored uh, endeavor. So, and, and so Phyllis Light is, was my first teacher and, and main mentor. And I learned a lot from her. She's brilliant. Um, she it was one of the founding board members of the register, I'm sorry, of the American Herbalist Guild. And so her school is tracked to become a registered herbalist, be, be a very uh, well-rounded and well-versed clinician. Like we didn't even learn herbs the first year of school. We learned body systems and, um, you know, our, our homework would be to study herbs and like talk amongst ourselves. But she was very focused on how the body works and um, how herbs can overlay onto that. And it was a fantastic education. She's a fantastic educator and, and really just a very, very seasoned practitioner. So we saw a lot of case studies that I, I feel lucky to have seen. And I learned a lot. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, do you feel that the tradition in which she teaches, you know, in the bioregional um, herbs that are local to you. Um, is there anything specific around that system that makes it different from any other regional herbalism school or or program or um, you know tradition? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I missed that part of your last question. Thanks for asking again. Um, her so so Phyllis practices and teaches what she calls Southern folk herbalism or Southern folk medicine, um, which she kind of bills as like the convergence of several different traditions being from, you know, Western Europe, African traditions, and then like indigenous traditions to Northern Alabama, where she's from and teaches. That's kind of the people she learned from and how she came to know what she knows. Um, so that is a very special system in and of itself. She is a wealth of knowledge in terms of like um, hyperlocal species of like a polygonatum Solomon seal adjunct would be a smart weed or, you know, just using those in practice is, was phenomenal to watch and witness. But um, anyway, zooming out a bit, the Southern folk medicine approach is an elemental system. So it's very, very similar and analog to a traditional Chinese medicine elemental philosophy, as well as an Ayurvedic elemental philosophy. And that was also very important to me as a white woman that I'm not trying to learn those systems out of the gate and, and that I have a foundation in like where I'm from and like what my traditions potentially were. Um, I think they're all fascinating, but I just felt strongly about learning um, and being rooted into where I was physically and geographically. Um, so yeah, so we learned an elemental approach to working with conditions, right? Wet, cold, hot, dry, and everything in between. She takes it a step further. There's definitely a layer of um, air, earth, fire, and water. And that is so fascinating because it relates primarily to people. So every person obviously is a mixture of those things. Kind of like if you do like an Ayurvedic dosha quiz, you'll have like, you know, you're a kapha, pitta, pitta, vada, all of those things. Um, she has a quiz that she came up with that you can learn your constitution is how the phrasing is in, in her paradigm. Um, and so people have their own constitution, but then also conditions have their own elements, right? So, and then each plant has its own constitution. So it really is a beautiful paradigm for matching a plant to a person, to a condition. 
or whatever order a plant to a condition to a person. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people always ask me, especially, you know, in the allopathic conventional world, like what I mean when I say energetics. Mm. So I would love for you to also shed some light in this concept, like what is energetics? I'd love to. Thanks for asking. I feel like energetics as a word sounds so esoteric and it sounds so witchy and like all of this, you know, connotations, but, but it's, that's not what it's intended to mean at all. Energetics is just um, a balancing system. So it's, it's so much more grounded. Energetics is taking the concepts of hot, dry, wet, (laughs) wait, hot, cold, wet, dry, and applying them to, again, people, conditions, tissues, et cetera. So for example, to work with a, a croupy cough, right? That's making a lot of noise and there's a lot of mucus. You're going to work with something that is cooling because that's a hot condition, right? It's it's painful, it's inflamed. So we want an herb that has a cooling action. And like on a cellular level, what are we talking about when we say cooling action? Again, sounds so esoteric. However, we're talking about thing, uh, herbs that are very, very high in antioxidant compounds and volatile oils. So they're like actively cooling oxidation, inflammation, which we know are the same, you know, two parts of the same situation. Um, So, right. So going back to the cough, we would use something cooling to like soothe the lungs. They're going to be irritated and probably dry because you're just barking all of the time. So we're going to go with something that is going to be mucilaginous and coat those tissues and give back polysaccharides to the mucous membrane lining, right? We're going to feed those bacteria and help grow that back. That's going to help someone feel really great. Um, And then lastly, something drying because the cough is super wet uh, and we want something that's going to dry it up. So something that would come to mind for me would be a mixture of Rose hips and elderberry, rose hips and goldenrod. Um, goldenrod is a super drying herb. Rose hips are a super, they're moistening astringent. So they're going to have that cooling action, that mucilage, and they're going to have um, some astringency, which I love about herbs is that there are those like paradoxical pairings, like a moistening astringent. I just don't think that's something you would find uh, often in um, pharmaceutical medicine. Yeah, plantain comes to mind as one of those as well. It's one of my favorites. Um, And I love, you know, how you explained that and the versatility with which one plant can provide a host of different benefits and constituents or, you know, a pairing of two plants that can really address a wide variety of things. And qualities is really how I, I usually describe energetics, where we really look to the quality that the herb has and that it transmits to the qualities of the conditions and the person, like you mentioned. So it's like really this, you know, triad of things that we're trying to max uh, match to one another so that we are producing the desired effect that we want and the relief that we are looking for. Um, so I would love to move into where the idea for wooden spoon herbs was born. Um, what inspired you to create this? You know, what need did you see that needs to be filled in the community? Yeah, I think that's really what it was. I think I was excited to bring something to my community here in this small town that, I mean, it's growing, but it's definitely small, um, that no one else was really doing. I didn't have any friends that were herbalists. I didn't know anyone who was like even remotely interested in this stuff. And so um, it was really fun to 
start making things and offering them to for sale and seeing what people gravitated towards. And it seemed like it was something everyone was interested in, but no one was quite doing yet. So that was really invigorating. And then, you know, I um, started setting up at the farmer's market once a week and selling things. And I would have people come to me and say, you know, I have these chronic debilitating migraines. I leave work early three out of five days a week. Like what, what, what will help me? And it like, you know, like I'm, I'm like, okay, let's get down to business. Let's figure it out. And, and, and just seeing conditions, you know, that are that extreme be calmed down with like herbal formulas and herbal blends, um, was very inspiring. And so the product line that I have now really came out of just listening to people's common complaints and conditions and formulating things that worked for, multiple people across the board. I think going back to like energetic herbalism, that is such a challenge. It's like keeping things neutral enough that they will work for a wider population. But um, that's really where it came from is just wanting to like provide something to, to the community, wanting to see if people were interested, being excited that they were. And then eight years later, the community is just a bit bigger, but it's still the same. still the same philosophy. We're still just kind of following what people want, need, ask for, and are excited by. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a balancing act to formulate and just make sure that it would be appropriate to a wider audience versus like a specific individual. So I really, you know, wanted to ask you about that as you were speaking, you know, I come from the retail pharmacy setting. So we often have to also do like a quick triage and then make a recommendation from let's say an over-the-counter treatment, whether it's, you know, herbal, but most of the time it's not some kind of pharmaceutical, but, you know, I find it really, um, you know, two different things when you really sit down and do a deep dive consult with a client uh, versus just like a quick, you know, let's see what you have going on and let me try to formulate. So how did you, you know, um, balance that um, piece of like trying to take enough information from the person um, in a quick amount of time and then the turnaround formulation, like how was that all working for you? I think that's what's cool about an environment where you're constantly in communication with your clients or, you know, in your case, patients, um, is that you you can stand there and talk for 10 minutes, right. Or, or five or 15 and like get a pretty good picture of what's going on. Um, and the, I think that answers your question. <laughs> um, I think in terms of like with the business, I mean, we recently like built a quiz that is very helpful for like matching products to people. I think people also just really feel intimidated and don't know where to start and don't want to, you know, take, the wrong thing or like spend money on something that they're not going to use. So that has been really successful just as like a very quick guidance for people is like, here's the questions I would start with, right? How's your sleep? How's your digestion? How's your stress level? How's your mood? Um, and go from there. Like, like it really is that simple. That is really where I start with any client any day, even if it's like a third, you know, session. Love it. So how did you really build this company from the ground up? I mean, it's like a wild success story, right? And you have celebrities uh, talking about it and, and purchasing from you. And like you said, it has grown, the community has grown around it. You have an online presence. Like, can you take us through some of the steps um, and when you felt ready to take the next step? Um, I... Can I mean it was just day was is 
will be for the foreseeable future so day by day. And I feel like um, we were one of the first herbal brands that was really doing like wholesaling tinctures and like that came up with a line. And um, that was a fun time and a fun community to be a part of. It's like all of these amazing herbalists selling their stuff and like trading things. But I... I honestly don't know. I think I knew that I, well, I, I wanted to do it full time. I really felt like if I, I was doing it part-time, right? So the first year I had three jobs and I was doing it part-time and and on the side and at the farmer's market. And I was like, I really think if I put all my energy into this, it, it could, I know, I know I could like make it work. Um, I don't even know if I have a good answer. It's just grown very organically. And I've been so lucky for that. I think the products work for people. And so they keep coming back. Um, I think they look pretty. So people want them around. Um, and I think that people really connect with the brand and what it stands for. Honestly, I mean, I think that it is like a unique voice in the space. I just, my hope and desire is that it stays very down to earth and approachable. And like, we always want people to know like the ins and outs and the whys of what they're taking um, and how it will help them versus, uh, you know, trust us, take this approach. So I do feel like people can feel that. And I feel like because I didn't come to this work from a, you know, business MBA background, trying to fill a, you know, niche in the market. Um, I think people can feel that and sense it and appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I really want to speak to your bravery because, you know, you, first of all, majored in something else in college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but everybody always says like, oh, there's no money in writing either. So like you, you already <laughs> had a major going for you that is not like supposedly, you know, mainstream lucrative. Mm -hmm. um, then you went into herbalism. <laughs> then you started this company, you know, and then it organically grew. So like what, you know, what really kept you going despite, you know, all the odds that could be against you and maybe some naysayers, I don't know if you had that or supporters, you know, maybe you had a very supportive community. I don't know, but like, yeah. you know, what were the some of the challenges and how did you overcome them? Totally. Yes. Um, I think the biggest part of it, I mean, I, it's so funny to frame it that way. Yeah. You went from writing to herbalism, like you were just resigned to like, uh, a certain lifestyle forever. Um, I do think I'm a very brave person. I don't think I'm risk averse whatsoever. And that like, that's fun for me. Like I love jumping off every single cliff, every single time, like that gives me joy. And, uh, I never want to, you know, end up somewhere where it's like, I didn't try it. You know, I always want to try it and figure it out from there. Um, I, I have absolutely zero training or background in business whatsoever. So the biggest challenge has been learn the constant learning curve and just like constantly looking stuff up. I mean, honestly, like even today I was researching like stock options and it's just like, okay, this never, ever, ever ends. And it does get more challenging. I think that's the thing is it has been easy to this point because, um, it's been such a natural progression, but I think uh, the longer you do it, the bigger it gets, the harder it's always going to be. And that's kind of where I'm at now is like starting to navigate those very challenging challenges that make me feel like less of an herbalist and more of a 
business owner. So it's fun, but I think the drive comes from being completely obsessed with what I'm doing and like the passion that was the initial spark and um, the feedback from so many people. Love it. So how did you grow from like going into the, you know, farmer's market, connecting with people, um, you know, where is your company today? Right. First of all, um, second of all, do you have like a mentor? Did you follow like a business plan? You know, since you have no background, did you hire help as far as like somebody to oversee some of the business, um, challenges? Like, how did you really go about that? Yes. Um, I'll answer that part first. I did. I think that like having a background and an interest in media and like writing and uh, all of that initially, like, you know, I was a kid, I was like, it'd be fun to work in a magazine, which is such a like, which is such a like 2D form of the internet. So I think I was already just like primed for what ended up working for us, which was like being very present on the internet, being very present on social media um, at first in the early years. I mean, we still very much are, but I'm less involved. I think that really helped. Um, so my background did serve me well there. I, and so I just figured it out. I was like, okay, like I remember in the early, earliest days, I was selling in person at the farmer's market. And I remember I was working at this cafe. Um, and talking to my boss and I was like, man, like, I really love doing this. I just hate posting on Instagram. Like I just hate social media. Like I just can't do it. And he looked at me and he was like, do you want to do it? Or do you want to like hate social media? Like, do you want to have a business or do you want to like fuss about it? And I was like, okay, fair enough. And so, I mean, it really drove it home for me. So, um, I just learned it all. Um, did it all in the beginning and then three years ago. So five years in, we were kind of courted for like an acquisition, which is very exciting, very glamorous. Uh, and it really, it really showed me like, oh, wow, you've actually built something that people are paying attention to. And that's very valuable to a, you know, wide subset of people. And it made me start taking it a lot more seriously in terms of like, okay, cool. Well, like, why would that be shiny to me? Why would it be shiny to me to like, you know, get acquired potentially. Um, and can I do that myself? Is that like a level of stability and structure that I can achieve on my own? So I did, um, start working with a business advisor then, and she's amazing. And so we've been working together for about three years and it's just like a couple monthly calls. Um, and then, so, so I do have a business advisor who kind of gets in the weeds and the numbers with me. And then I have some mentors who are more from the natural products industry who have been, you know, the CEO of like one of the biggest herb companies or someone who works in field marketing or, you know, someone who like grew and sold companies. Like, so I do, I'm super lucky to have people surrounding me who see what I'm doing and, and see where it's going and believe in me enough to give me some of their time. Love it. So did these relationships also just organically grow or, um, you know, did you proactively seek them out or build in a certain deliberate way? They've all been organic. And I think it's like, yes, it sounds organic, like organic sounds romantic and easy, but I mean, I'm working so hard, you know, like I didn't take weekends off for probably four or five years and like organic is 
Right. It's an intersection of like hard work, luck, all of the things. So they are things that happen naturally because I was working so hard and building so um, in such a focused way. And yeah, they, but it's not, it's not something that I sought out. Yeah. And how did your brand and the message behind your brand like really come about? Um, you know, I'm sure that was also organic, but you know, what is really like the message that you feel people are drawn to? No, I will say that's the, that's like the biggest thing that has not been organic because I didn't start my business from like this, like light bulb business plan angle. It's been really hard for me to encapsulate what I'm doing because I started out just having fun and like making infused honeys and like making all these sweet little things as as the plants bloomed or, you know, were ready to harvest. Um, so right now <laughs> we've, we've encapsulated it and everyday herbalism is just kind of the message that we're trying to put out there, which to me and to us means getting herbs into your like daily kitchen routines and just making sure that you have some level of like herbal routine that you're doing every day. It doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to look any one way, but there are so many things and ways you can work with herbs that will be, you know, specifically tailored to you and your lifestyle. Um, it's that that's one of the things that's hardest for me to talk about, but everyday herbalism is what I'm trying to do. It's I'm trying to sneak herbs into people's lives in like the most delicious ways. So they forget that they're doing something um, medicinal and, and that is really my goal. <laughs> oh, I love that. So tell us a little bit about like the actual process, you know, behind the scenes, because I know you have a philosophy of sustainability and local herbs and organic, right, in more ways than one. So um, tell us about like the whole ground up process of, you know, from growing the herbs or foraging or, you know, how you really manufacture or produce the herbs. Um, and then if you could also speak to um, how you have built up to a certain level of manufacturing, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people also fear all the legal statures mm -hmm. and, you know, about getting into like a mass production of any supplement, right? Any food um, supplement or herb supplement. Yeah, it was a lot. It, it was a lot and it was scary at times um, for different reasons. Um, but it really was just like growing into it. And when I started making and selling things, I was growing tons of herbs in my garden. I was like harvesting like weedy plants from people's farms. And like, that's really what I was focused on. Um, and so it's, so it was a process of scaling. So it's like, okay, well, like I can't physically, I don't have enough time and I don't have enough like hours in the day. Well, yeah, same, but I don't have like, there's, there's not enough resources to be, to be working like that. Um, and so I started just like soliciting from my farmer's market friends and being like, Hey, do you have any of like this weed on your farm that I could come harvest? Or will you grow this for me? Or can I come harvest this or like grow a row kind of thing? Um, and that worked for a while. It just kept growing and growing. And so then I just like spent a lot of time doing research and built a little network of like regional farms that dried and um, harvested and dried their own plants. So then I worked with them for many years. And then 
we eventually just couldn't keep up with demand. We were making everything ourselves until 20 mid 2019, which still feels very recent. Um, <laughs> it's probably not anymore recent, but, um, we just couldn't keep up with batch sizes. We kept selling out, selling out, selling out, which is amazing, but it was still just like, okay, well, how do we do this? And then we started looking into co-manufacturers, which I was so against, I was so against it for so long. And then i I did come to a place where it's like, okay, well, you have to look at how many packages are going out. And do you really feel comfortable making your products, you know, in the same way that you're making them when they, there are all these, these rules and regulations that you have to follow at scale. So we had some baby step manufacturers, you know, we had people where we would like drive to another city and like make the things with them and like just really hands-on. We were still doing all of our own sourcing. And then we landed with a really sweet company who was started by an herbalist and they did all of their own sourcing from like their farm network. And so then we scaled up to using those farms and farm partners and manufacturing partners. And then in the past year, um, just, you know, ever since COVID, like every, there's just been so many closures and so many hardships for everyone. So it's been a constant like balancing act of like, okay, well now this product has to be manufactured here, but I will say I've been very excited and blessed, blessed really that we've been able to work with companies who have been doing herbal products or health food products for like 30 plus years, uh, as manufacturing partners. So they are like the highest integrity, the highest quality, and like the most trusted for me, because it was such a scary, hard decision to go from making these tiny batch things myself to scaling up to the, you know, order size, sourcing size, sourcing supply chain, like all of those things that we're at now. And it varies product to product. Like we have different like powders and tinctures come from different places, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, I'm kind of like trying to imagine all these steps and, you know, everything that you mentioned that you had to solve for one thing at a time. Um, so did you start, you know, pretty much in your home and then move to a commercial kitchen and then move to the partners that you mentioned? And did you have to register and comply with the GMP? And can you like talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, I think GMP, good manufacturing practices, um, are something we scaled into as well, just because I never in my wildest dreams thought that what I was doing would become what it is now. And like, I truly didn't. And so it felt fine to like work out of a, you know, friend's restaurant kitchen when they were closed kind of thing, work out of my house a bit. And then we built a warehouse studio um, commercial kitchen in 2018, that actually turned into our warehouse once we stopped doing production. Um, so that's just scale as we've gone to. And that's also why we switched to co-manufacturing is for GMP reasons, because it, I have no desire. I had no desire. I have no desire to build and run a factory. Like that's where I draw the line. And so partnering with people to do all of the paperwork and, and have the factory level standards and equipment and, um, all of those paper trails was worth it to me. Um, so, yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I think a lot of people that, you know, aspire to be herbalist, a lot of them know that they want to work with products specifically. Some people know they want to go into the clinical side. Some people do a mix. 
But, um, you know, like this is just like a not taking it to another level, like, you know, doing the small scale DIY projects at home. And then how do you sustainably scale the way you did? I think that's just super impressive. And I don't know how old you are, but you look pretty young. So, you know, I just think it's just such a great example for what can happen if you really believe in yourself and your work. And like you said, if, mm. you know, your product, you stand behind your product and your mission. Um, even if you don't know yet what the mission is, but you do still kind of know, and it shows in the product what you stand for. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's such a great success story. And I hope it inspires people listening that you may not have it all figured out. But if you kind of have the direction and you are brave enough to listen to that voice that's guiding you, or, you know, you hire some people to help you figure things out and solve for the challenges, you know, you don't have to know the end goal, but each step is going to inform the, the next step that's possible that's out there. So, um, you know, now I really would love to move into what does your company do today in terms of like volume uh, or does it do any wholesale? Is it still mm -hmm. just, you know, directly to consumer? Um, you know, what does that look like? And then also what does your day to day now look like <laughs> that you've outsourced a lot of the work? Yeah. Well, there's always plenty to do. Um, yeah. So we, I mean, we shifted like our minimums per product now are like five to 10,000. And that's like a whole nother ball game in terms of yeah, just size and, and pressure and <laughs> what there is to do. Um, but what was the middle question day to day? Yeah, day to day, if you do any wholesale or is it wholesale? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So we're about 70% direct to consumer. Uh, we sell through our website. Um, so that's about 70%. But we also have over 200, maybe 250 like indie retail partners. We're talking with Whole Foods for a 2023 launch. That's very exciting. And that will be our first like um, grocery account or, you know, big national grocery account. Um, and we have, you know, like a handful of amazing health food stores across the country that sell our products like with great velocity. And so we're very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, we have like a ton of indie retail partners. And so we do about 70, 30, um, which keeps us very busy. And also I, I think that was like a secret to early success is just doing a lot of wholesale because it's just brand awareness and billboards all over the place. Um, if you don't have any dollars for marketing. So that was, uh, not something I intentionally did, but that's kind of how it ended up working out. And yeah, my day to day is always, you know, it really is always different Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm in meetings all day is checking in with the team. Um, it's, it's everything from like, uh, working on formulations to looking at financial projections to, um, helping people with like marketing projects. So it's very varied. And I typically only get outside on the weekends. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sounds intense, but also exciting. Um, so how big is your team now? And, uh, is it like, uh, an LLC or what type of company are you running now? Um, there's about five of us and we operate as a C-Corps, which is a traditional corporation. Um, 
And that structure is new to me. I've been all of them. I've been a sole prop. I've been an LLC. And then as of last year, we shifted to being a corporation um, so that we can position ourselves long-term for to be a legacy company. Love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing, you know, what you've been through, what you built and what may be potentially next in the future for your company. Uh, so before I let you go, I would love to know if I can ask you some rapid fire questions. Definitely. Okay. So if you had just, you know, one health tip to share with somebody surrounding herbalism, what would it be? Oh, specific to herbalism drink nettle tea love it yeah very versatile mm -hmm. um question number two uh would be tell us about like one of your products that you're absolutely in love with that you feel like people should know about um the herbal coffee is a dandelion chicory blend with maca cinnamon mesquite and reishi and it tastes super roasty and delicious and i think everyone should take those herbs every single day oh wow that does sound amazing might have to order that of choice <laughs> all right um well what is your favorite hobby you know assuming you you have some time <laughs> some free time um i'm assuming it has something to do with going outside but maybe something surprising that you haven't talked about yet no, I'm very boring. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I know. This year it's been cold, cold plunges, just finding a little creek and doing a cold plunge. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely something free <laughs> that you can do for your health, but also something scary. So I am getting the brave <laughs> theme again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and what would be like your number one tip for anyone out there listening that, you know, is kind of called to do maybe some of this work or is interested in getting into herbalism, but, you know, just really feels scared. feels like it's too much or um, unsure or, or just doesn't even know where to start. What would be your tip for them? Um, yeah, I think just like go for it. Don't be intimidated and just take your time. Like I think taking your time is not something we're um, conditioned to do and it's always going to be overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed constantly by how much I don't know um, and how much I still have to learn. So just take your time and don't be scared. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. I love that. I was just reflecting on that the other day. It's like, we're overstimulated all the time. And then we're just never even happy with the progress and everything that we have going for us because we're just needing to do something else and be more productive and make more progress. But we don't have that reflection or the permission mm -hmm. to just take time slow. I One of my most favorite trusted teachers is Paul Bergner. Do you know him? Yep. Obsessed. Paul Bergner, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> And he, so he does a lot of like uh, TCM paradigm or he does a lot of work with like Chinese yen tonics and anyhow, um, listening to him speak, he was, he was saying that like in, I don't know if it was TCM, I doubt it, probably classical Chinese medicine that the five tenants that come, or there's like seven tenants that come before taking herbs. And one of them is, or if not one of number one is like taking time for deep 
rest and reflection, like reflection is so important. And like, we have no concept of reflection in our culture. Like even meditation is like presented as this like mindless, empty, empty brain, which like, of course we need space for like our minds to empty out. However, I think that like emptying them out is actually a processing of, it's actually a reflection process. Right. So anyways, yeah. Reflection. Yeah. I think that's just like a way for us to be balanced human beings and, you know, the being part of it versus the doing it's like, we have a process. Okay. We have this process called meditation and here's the exact instructions. And then Mm -hmm. we have these expectations of how to do it right and wrong. And then we put pressure on ourselves, but like, I think part of just being happy or um, being in the state of like, you know, just rest and acceptance is just not practiced because we just think like, okay, you know, we got to check this off the list. Even This is the Mm -hmm. rest part. This is the sleep part, but we're still kind of like on target and on these expectations Mm -hmm. and these pressures for ourselves. Like we become orthorexic and like, okay, how many hours, let Mm -hmm. me check my tracker, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's just really no time where because of the electronics and the lights on and the constant, you know, TV and the binging of the shows and like other things that are just so easy for us to access. Mm -hmm. Don't have like this break system where it's like, okay, I've watched enough. Like, let me go reflect on this episode and not binge, you know, the 300 shows that are out there right now. Definitely. There's a lot of access, a lot of easy access to all of that. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your story. Again, it's so inspiring to myself. And I hope that all our listeners take this inspiration and, you know, go and reflect on what they would like to bring in the world and, you know, face their fears and go forward. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and being interested at all. (laughs) Yeah, I am definitely going to check out your products and I'm excited about that coffee blend you mentioned. Cool. Thank you so much, Marina. My pleasure. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.